most high God of heavens. You read in our midst. You alone are God. That is why we worship you. <laughs> All other gods are but idols. But you made the heavens. They have eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. They have hands and feet but they cannot move. They have nostrils but they cannot breathe. But you alone are God. We express our heartfelt gratitude, love, honor, and glory to your name. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, honor, glory, blessings, riches, wisdom, and strength. Unto you alone is this gathering. All your ways are righteous and all your works are holy. Blessed be the name of the Lord, the one who reigns forever. This morning we ask that you rain down and distill upon our hearts the spirit of revelation. Fill our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son Jesus. Let us know you even more. That we all with an unveiled face as we behold us in the mirror of the glory of God are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the same spirit. Thank you for a glorious service this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. Please be seated. It's good that we create an atmosphere for God to enjoy our meeting with Him. You are welcome to our second service. This is Love and Grace City Church. I want to share something with you for about 40 minutes. And uh, try and let me exactly in 40 minutes. And then we have a prayer time and then we have another special moment with the Lord, with a family that is here today. Amen. Now, we've been looking at what we call Christian maturity. And most of the time, when we talk of Christian maturity, many Christians just think it's just about growing in the Lord. It's just about Bible study. It's just about prayer. It's just about going to church. But if you have followed this teaching for some time now, we explain that there are three beams of maturity. When we say a Christian is maturing or a Christian is mature, there are three beings we need to identify in the life of that Christian. And the first area that every Christian must mature in is the area of doctrine, which we call doctrinal maturity. The second area every Christian must be maturing in or matured in is what we call um, uh, ministry maturity. And the third area or the third beam of maturity is what we call what? character maturity so if we see a christian who is maturing or matured we identify that christian by these three beams doctrinal maturity ministry maturity and character maturity now we've been looking at the first point and we are still not done yet which is the first beam which we call doctrinal maturity we began to first look at the eight most important doctrines in the Christian faith which means that these doctrines are so crucial that your misunderstanding or your understanding of them can determine your work with God whether it will be successful or whether it will fail are you following this thing and uh, uh, we looked at the doctrine of God which was the first doctrine please go back to our teachings on the podcast and go and listen and be blessed 
The second doctrine was the doctrine of what? Man and sin. The third doctrine which we are looking at today is the doctrine of Christ. Go to our podcast and go and listen to them because these teachings will establish you. It's like after listening to these teachings, it's as though you have finished the Bible school. If you faithfully listen to these teachings, it will help you. Unfortunately today, we have not taught the church, discipled them in very key doctrinal areas of the Christian faith. So the average Christian is weak doctrinally. He can't even explain his salvation. He doesn't know God. All he knows about God is what God gives to people when they pray. Breakthroughs, miracles, and all kinds of things. There is nothing wrong with them. But if the God you know is only the God of breakthrough, you will be small in your work with God. Are you following this thing? So there is a need to understand the, the varieties and dimensions of the knowledge of God if we want to experience growth in God. Praise God. So we look at the doctrine of Christ. Now, uh, into brackets, the doctrine of Christ is also called the God-manhood of Christ. I coined that term. The, the God-manhood of Christ. So, God-manhood of Christ. Now, quickly, let's proceed. When we talk of the doctrine of Christ, pay attention carefully, we are dealing with the person and the work of Jesus. Doctrine simply means teaching. So the doctrine of Christ is the teaching of Christ, dealing with his person. Hallelujah. Now by scripture, it is revealed that the Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God who always existed with the Father and the Holy Spirit and who incarnated or by incarnation took upon himself the form of a man and became the God-man. Now let me explain what I mean. When we're speaking of the doctrine of Christ, we are saying that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who was with God and was with the Holy Spirit but incarnated in human form and existed as the God man by that we mean through his incarnation he became both fully God and fully man so when we are talking of the doctrine of Christ we are speaking first of the person of Christ and when we are speaking of the person of Christ we are speaking of the God manhood of Christ Referring to the fact that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. Are you following this thing? Is it clear? So in the person of Jesus Christ, there are two natures. In the person of Jesus, there are two natures. Please follow this teaching carefully. In the person of Jesus, how many natures are there? There are two natures. The human nature of Jesus and then the divine nature of Jesus thank you Holy Spirit I have some good news for the church so when we close let me inform you about it hallelujah are you following this so 
though these two natures are distinguishable they are also indivisible though these two natures of Christ are distinguishable they are indivisible by that we mean that you cannot separate the humanity from the divinity of Jesus yet they are they are divisible it can be divided into two hallelujah so when we are studying the doctrine of Christ we are saying that it is the sinless union of the divine and human natures of Christ which qualifies him to be the only sacrificial mediator between God and man by his sinless union of the divine and human natures he qualified to become the only sacrificial mediator between God and man remember his human body was sinless his divine being was perfect and the only reason why he could qualify to be a mediator and as a sacrificial lamp was because of his sinlessness and his divinity please are you following that? the reason why the doctrine of Christ is very important is because if we don't understand the full divinity and the full humanity of Christ we will not understand salvation because there can be no other way for man to be saved except God himself becoming a man to save man are we following this teaching now it is very important to understand the doctrine of Christ and there's a reason why you must understand it because what a man believes about Jesus Christ will determine how he relates to him and his eternal destiny note that down the reason why it is important to understand the doctrine of Christ is because what a man believes about Jesus Christ determines how he relates with Christ and his eternal destiny these are serious tasks we are dealing with here your eternal destiny and how you relate with Christ is determined by what you know about Christ and what you understand about Christ if you don't know that it is only through faith in the work of Jesus that qualifies a man to be saved and you only know Jesus as a man of Galilee you'll be shocked that you will perish in hell please are you following what I'm saying so you see people people say okay so other religions also believe that Jesus Christ uh, walked in Galilee and was the son of a carpenter that is not what saves a man please are you hearing me knowing that Jesus Christ or believing that Jesus Christ was the son of Joseph the son of a carpenter doesn't save anyone this is why the doctrine of Christ is very crucial in our journey of faith as Christians are you following that? 
So now, the Bible declares that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. Please note this point down. The Bible declares that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. Number one, who by his virgin birth, sinless humanity, shameful death, burial, and resurrection made the perfect sacrifice for sin thereby making redemption available for fallen man please don't say ah this man of god now right again force yourself i, I know that i know how humans think no 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 it's okay so okay, can't write again force so i'm going to repeat again <laughs> the bible declares jesus is the eternal son of god who by his virgin birth sinless humanity so look at the process by his what virgin birth number one two his sinless humanity three his shameful death four burial five resurrection made perfect sacrifice for sin thereby making redemption available for fallen man in other words if you do not understand the doctrine of christ in this light your understanding of god's plan for you and humanity will be futile so it is in the doctrine of christ that we understand that jesus christ is the eternal son of god his divinity who became a sinless man through a shameful death burial and by resurrection power was given to him to bring redemption to all who believe in him are you following that now we also need to understand that the doctrine of christ has two major divisions if we want to understand the doctrine of christ we must understand them from two major divisions please make sure you, you make some notes because this area of my teaching is not is not a spirit teaching it's not a revelational experience we are dealing with doctrine here you can't remember everything so you need to put down some notes very important hallelujah so we said the doctrine of christ has how many divisions number one is what we call the person of christ dealing with who he is who he is the person of christ and number two is the work of christ what he has done The doctrine of Christ has got to do with two major divisions. Number one is what? The person of Christ, which is who he, he is. And number two is the work of Christ, what he has done. So anybody who says he, he, he knows Christ and understands Christ and does not understand his person and his work is just deceiving himself or leaving himself deceit. Praise God. Now, as we proceed you need to understand that the old testament revealed the person of christ both in his divinity and humanity you're going to look at that now the first confirmation of the doctrine of christ is found in the old testament
because the Old Testament revealed the divinity of Jesus and the humanity of Jesus. That's the foundation of the doctrine of Christ. If you don't believe he is God and he came in the flesh as man, you are not saved. Please, are you hearing me carefully? If you don't believe that Jesus is God made flesh as at now, you are not saved. We are not even talking yet about his resurrection. Because you can never tell me you believe in his resurrection if you didn't believe he died as a man. Are you following this thing? So we want to confirm from the Old Testament the doctrine of Christ revealing his humanity and his divinity. Are you ready? So now we want to look at the deity of Christ in the Old Testament. The proof of the deity of Christ. That Jesus Christ is divine. He's God. Divine God. Let's take the first scripture. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Let's do it very quickly. Isaiah 7 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you what? A sign. Behold a virgin shall conceive. Now that should tell you if a virgin got pregnant. We should know that a man was not responsible for the pregnancy. Are you following that? So if a virgin gets pregnant, it simply means that must be a divine being who is responsible for the pregnancy. Please, am I teaching good? So he says, and he shall bear a son. That means that son there must be divine and shall call his name. Now, what does Emmanuel mean? What? Can we shout it now? God with us proving Jesus is God just right from the Old Testament hmm. let's move Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 to 9 for unto us now this is very interesting please pay attention to this teaching don't whatsapp pay attention for unto us what a child is born. Look at the second one. Unto us, a son is given. Now, are they the same things? Now, if you are not spiritually intelligent, you think he's saying the same thing, but it's not speaking about the same thing. For unto us, who is born? So, a child there signifies that he is what? He is? He is a man. That means he was a child. Speaking of his humanity, that is why he was born. His humanity was born. His divinity was given. That is why he said a son is given. So as a, as a human, he was born. As God, he was. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is his divine son. He had to give him before he had to be born. Are you following this? So Jesus had to be given by God as a gift before he could be born. So the gift of God in the person of Jesus was his divinity which manifested as a son that was born in the flesh. Are you following this thing? I'm teaching good here. Now look, he says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, this is not referring to any human being here now. 
He says, and his name shall be called. Now look at his name. Oh. Because there are people who don't believe Jesus is God. They say God is only the God in heaven. Muslims don't believe Jesus is God. But look at what the scripture is saying. So that in case you meet a group of people who are saying, prove to me that Jesus is God, you can prove to them from here. Because no one can claim this if he's not divine. His name shall be called what? Wonderful. Uh -huh. Counselor. Ah. What? The. He didn't say eh. The everlasting father and prince of peace. This is interesting. So Jesus is who? God. So you see, these revelations are very foundational. Can you imagine if Christians meet today and they are talking and they are discussing this conversation and the conversation is not high business. Charlie, a on you, but I'm a If you are proving to your office colleagues that Jesus is God, you don't know it. So you just swallow anything. And listen, if we don't know this, eh, we are ashamed in the body of Christ. Because we can't claim we are in the body of Christ when we don't know the Christ in whom we live. good here. Now look at the third one. Jeremiah chapter 23 the verse 5 and 6. Jeremiah 23 5 and 6. He says behold the days come say the Lord that I will raise unto David a righteous branch and a are you seeing the caps? Shall reign and prosper and shall what? Execute judgment and justice in the earth. Can this be a human Look at the next verse. He says, In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and his name, whereby he shall be called the, the, the Lord our righteousness. My goodness. Can you shout, Jesus is my God, and my Lord. Micah chapter 5 the verse 2 Micah 5 2 he says but thou Bethlehem Ephrata though thou be little among the thousands of Judah yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that to be what ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting he's telling you he's from what he's from what old and everlasting that's his divinity he's everlasting he's eternal psalm 2 the verse 7 and 12 i would declare the decree the lord has said unto me thou art mine son is it small letters and this day have i begotten you so jesus is god Look at the verse 12. I love this one. I love this one. He said, kiss the son. 
lest he be angry. This verse is a parable talking about receiving Jesus and intimacy with Christ. It's an offense for you not to believe in Jesus. When you believe the gospel, you have kissed Jesus. If you don't believe it, he says his anger will come upon you and what? You will perish. He used capital S, the son. I'm teaching good, yeah? Psalm 45, the verse 6. Let's do it quickly. Let's do it quickly. We have a lot to cover. Thy throne, hey my goodness, thy throne what? Oh, 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 is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. I'm sure you're wondering, now this one cannot be Jesus. Let's see the New Testament revelation there in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8. So you understand that this is referring to Jesus. Look, he says, but unto, oh, this class, should I close the class? Oh, why are you doing that? I'm, I'm, I, I shall give you but unto the son he said so are you seeing that he the, that verse was just put in the book of Psalm, but it was made specific in the book of hebrews unto the son he said thy throne O god is forever and a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom so jesus is god proven in the old testament so we have not even entered New Testament and the Old Testament was proving the divinity of Jesus in fact the Old Testament people could not reconcile how possible it is that God can become a man and divine at the same time so they only had to prophesy they only had to write what was given to them without understanding the chemistry are we following this thing? now let's look at the humanity of Christ Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 the humanity of Jesus from the Old Testament. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. When he was releasing a judgment upon the serpent. Between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. The seed there was referring to the human seed of Jesus Christ. The humanity of Jesus. Genesis chapter 22 the verse 18 Genesis 22 the verse 18 and in thy seed shall all the nations be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice so that seed there was referring to Abraham's seed because Jesus proceeded from the seed of Abraham because Abraham gave birth to Isaac Isaac gave birth to Jacob Jacob birth Israel, Israel bet Judah and Judah bet who? Jesse and Jesse bet David and David bet don't say Bathsheba I beg you David bet Jesus okay Solomon and Solomon bet Jesus is it clear here? so that's the seed Genesis chapter 26 the verse 2 to 4 Genesis 26 verse 2 to 4 and the Lord appeared unto him and said go not down to Egypt dwell in a land which I shall tell thee of uh -huh. 
he says sojourn in this land i will be with thee and i'll bless thee for unto thee and thy seed thy seed i will give all these countries and i'll perform the oath which i swear unto abraham thy father it may seem as though the seed was referring to israel which is true physically but spiritually it was referring to jesus he's the seed of abraham genesis chapter 49 the verse 10 to 12 genesis 49 10 to 12 look when jacob was prophesying to his sons and he got to judah he said the scepter shall not depart from who judah nor the lawgiver from between his feet until shiloh come unto him shall the gathering have you realized when jesus came people gathered referring to his humanity are we good to go now let's look at the new testament proof of incarnation as for the new testament you'll find plenty that jesus christ was god incarnate jesus christ was god incarnate now let's go to um, romans chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 you'll be you'll be blessed okay depending on your heart desire as you are coming to church okay now he said concerning his son who jesus christ our lord which was made of the seed of david according to this refers to his what his humanity please follow me okay follow me according to the seed made of the seed of david according to the flesh talking of his human body now look at the next verse he says and declared to be the son of god with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead speaking of his speaking of his divinity if you don't know at least follow the people who are saying it <laughs> and say some you just say something hallelujah galatians chapter 4 the verse 4 it says but when the fullness of the time was come god sent forth his son made of ah uh, ah uh, so what is that humanity made under the law so god sent forth his son capital letters his divinity made of a woman speaking of his humanity so we are seeing the incarnation here we are seeing the god manhood of christ here colossians chapter 2 the verse 9 i love it it says for in him dwelleth the fullness of the godhead bodily proving the incarnation the physicality of jesus the humanity of jesus in him dwells the fullness of the godhead bodily that means when you see jesus you have seen the father you have seen the spirit and you have seen the son Colossians 1.19 Colossians 1.19 For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness, talking of all divine verities it was in him, God was pleased 1 Timothy 3.16 I love this one 
another incarnation and without controversy can we read together loudly one two go hold on who who is that god that is why he called it without controversy great is the mystery of godliness that means before a man can understand godliness he must understand it in the light of incarnation this is the mystery of godliness now i can give an example great is the mystery of godliness no so any man that wants to be godly must first understand that god became a man and lived perfectly that's why you as a man can also live perfectly through god so the mystery of godliness is that god was manifest in the flesh in the body of jesus in the person of jesus justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the gentiles believed on in the world and received up into glory are you following that first timothy 2 5 the thing is building the thing is getting interesting or oh, you want me to switch a bit tomorrow by this time a year by this time I see 10 people low. 10 people. I say, Lama 10, Lama 10, Lama 10, receive it. We'll do that on Friday. Can we read together? One, two, go. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. There? 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 Who? This is this is serious for there is one god and one mediator between god and man the man jesus telling us that jesus is still a man he the man jesus so hear me there is a man in heaven representing men the man Jesus now you see there is a reason I, I wish I could go a little bit ahead of myself there is a reason you know there is why the incarnation of Christ was very important Jesus had to be fully God to represent God to man and he had to be fully man to represent man to God are you following this thing carefully the man Jesus because Jesus could never represent man without being a man that's why he's called the man Jesus Hebrews chapter 2 the verse 14 for as much as the children are partakers of what flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same what's the same what's the same there flesh and blood he himself also became flesh and blood that's why when he was whipped blood came out please are you following this <laughs> that's through what death he might destroy him that had the 
power of death that is the devil this is interesting do you do you remember the story of Goliath and David do you remember in 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 conclusion that David used Goliath's own weapon to defeat him remember God is giving us the same picture here that death was Satan's strongest weapon before Jesus came Satan could put men in all kinds of degrees of death when Christ came as a man because if God didn't come as a man he can't die because God doesn't die are you following this thing the only way he can die is when he becomes a man so the Bible is saying that Jesus as God became man so that through death he can use Satan's own weapon to defeat him that is why when a man believes Jesus he has crossed from death to life I'm sure someone says a man of God why are we still dying you don't understand real death is not leaving your body real death is separating from God so when we say Jesus conquered death he conquered it legally but when Jesus appears we experience it vitally are you getting this thing? now look with me again to Romans chapter 8 verse 3 Romans 8 3 <laughs> for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending his, whole, his own what? son in the likeness of sinful flesh incarnation this is not saying that jesus christ's body was a sinner no he was saying that he came in the similitude of how men look like so you couldn't identify you, you you couldn't separate who jesus was from other men when you saw him he had the same features of men so you could also he was so identical to man that you could have identified him to sinful men so what we are saying is that Jesus did not have 10 fingers on one hand Jesus did not have 3 eyes to make his humanity unique Jesus did not have 3 chests he didn't have 4 ears please are you following this thing he came in the similitude of how you will see any sinner you, you saw his body the same way. I'm teaching good here. So many of you think that the body, this Jesus that came here, you know, he was so anti-so because of, so when he was a child, two years old, Mary would say, Jesus, Baba Didi, Ma, Ma, I think me need a journey. Eighteen, come on. Impressa, fuck up. You know, many of you were thinking that Jesus Christ is, was that, you know, that extremely spiritual, and you know, he was walking, counting his steps, moving like that, doing his father's business. Listen to me. Jesus Christ got tired. In fact, when you read Hebrews, he got tempted like we all. 
So now Jesus is all feelings. Oh, I know you didn't understand what I just said. Jesus, or see, let me tell you something. If Jesus didn't have feelings like you and I, he doesn't qualify to be a savior because he won't even understand what it is. You see, I'm sure you have asked yourself, if God knows what it is to be a man, he won't tell us to flee for the kitchen. Why you need that? How the thing they feel? When you sit with the lady with the fair tie, God, you, you have not sat beside the fair tie before, so how can you tell us, be holy even as I'm holy? Do you know what it means for someone to touch your nipple? I'm sure you be asking God, I'm sure, why are you looking at me? I say, I'm a sport pastor. Now, who will say it? I'm going, I'm going deeper. So, you see, people asking questions. You see, God doesn't understand what it means to be man. If God himself understands, God will run away to be God again. So, people are asking that question. Until we open the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, look at the verse 14. You'll be shocked that this happened to our God. Look at the verse 13. Okay, come to 14. Let's go to 15. Look. He says, seeing then that we have what? A great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our what? Profession. Look at the verse 15. Ah. He says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be what? Touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, including sexual temptation. Like us, we are, yet without sin. <laughs> Maybe I'm sure you didn't get this one. Let's give it to me in NLT version. I'm sure people, are, I'm hearing this for the first time. Ah, so, Yami, Enya. Feelings. Let's let's go. He says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Amplified version. So listen, when you are tempted, when you are alone in that room, Jesus is saying that I I know what it is to be a man who is under temptation. Look at this. For we do not have a high priest who is an unable to what? Understand and sympathize. You see, that's why we have something called mercy. Because eh, when, when God sees you like that, the way you are, he said, when I was a man, <laughs> Father, I beg, if you so then they, just you just pop my hand, the blood, then the side. If you saw then day. He said that who is unable to understand and sympathize and have what? A shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation. But one who what has been tempted in every aspect as we are, yet without sinning. Listen every temptation that ever happened to you since you were six years old to now, Jesus experienced it. And the Bible says he was without sin. 
to encourage us that God also knew or knows what it means to be a man. So if Jesus, upon all temptations that came to him, he was tempted with money, he was tempted with sex, he was tempted with lust. But the Bible says without sin. To tell us that God understands your feelings better than you. That is why no excuse is excusable enough when you say God doesn't understand what I'm going through. Jesus had financial hardships. Maybe you don't know. Because the Bible says he was at all points what? Tempted. Financial hardship can be a temptation because by that you can take certain decisions. Are you following what I'm saying? So every, there was a time there was no money on Jesus. He had to command fish to bring money. Please, are you following that? So he knows what it means to be broke. Did you understand what I just said? Jesus has walked before. He understands what it means not to have money for Uber. Please, are you following this thing? So hear me. God understands your humanity, your weakness, and your infirmities. That's why my heart can be at rest. When you are struggling with something that you are finding it hard to come out. In as much as God understands, he knows that because Jesus was tempted the same way and yet without sin, it is possible you can also experience that same life. So, I said something one time. God loves you the way you are, but his love does not leave you the way you are. God's love loves you the way you are, but his love does not leave you the way you are. That's just by the way. I'm told my time is up. Let me just finish the verses and let's move. Next time I won't say that again. <laughs> Romans chapter 9, verse 5. Romans 9, 5. He says, Who are the fathers of whom, as concerning the flesh, what? Christ came. Who is over all? God blessed forever. Look at two things said of him. This is speaking of his what? His divinity, and as his divinity, he is God blessed forever. And as his humanity, he was flesh. Christ came. Are you following that? Why are we spending so much time here? Because hear me. The foundation of Christianity is revealed when God became man. That's the foundation. The hope of man was realized when God became man in the person of Jesus. That's why the divinity and the physicality or humanity of Jesus Christ cannot be exempted from the story of redemption. Did you get that right? <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. We'll take the last one that we continue next week. I want to be a man of my word today. Hebrews chapter 2, the verse 5 to 8. Now look, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of hey, taught it no robbery to be equal with God. So it was not a crime for Jesus to say, I am God. To claim equality with God. Because he's God. Next verse. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the <laughs> likeness of man. Next verse. He says, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Did you get that? Finally, come to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Hebrews 10, 5. Are you getting blessed by this class? He says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a human body thou hast prepared for me. So God prepared a body for himself to dwell in as God to save man. Let me just close the Bible so that I don't commit an unpardonable sin this, this morning. Last week, I think last week, last two weeks I preached two hours. Last week I preached one hour, 30 minutes. When I was watching the, listening to myself, I said, oh, Charlie, I'm just imagining how the members were feeling. But it was okay. So should we continue? Okay. Okay. Hey, So, um, we're going to end here. Today, I think this is the shortest message I've ever preached in my life. 